Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Nathan. This episode of Buckeye Talk was recorded prior to the news breaking that 2022 prospect Quinn Ewers was considering enrolling potentially at Ohio State this fall, and therefore we did not talk about it on this podcast. But I hope you all caught the emergency podcast we recorded Wednesday evening. That should be in your feeds. Thanks for listening. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk. It is another Buckeye Football Futures episode. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Stephen Means. This might be the last BFF we do because obviously camp starts next week. We're recording this for Thursday, July 29th, but we're going to have a lot of real football to talk about. So we're not exactly sure how we'll keep doing the recruiting thing. Maybe it's a recurring segment, may not be a full episode. We'll just have a lot of actual football going on. But we'll obviously keep talking recruiting on a week-to-week basis. But we wanted to get one more episode in that kind of gave everyone an update on where things stand for 2022, where things are starting for 2023, and give us like a push into the season so it's something that we can keep following from there. And Stephen, you brought up something that maybe kind of helped crystallize this conversation which is the OSU Alabama head-to-head battle. And it seems like here these last few years, this is what it kind of comes down to, right? It's where does Ohio State stand in relation to Alabama? Ohio State gets out to a lead in the recruiting rankings. Alabama surges and takes it in the end. That sort of thing has been sort of a recurring theme. Why, before we get into a lot of specifics about where these classes stand, is it, do you think Ohio State fans should, focus as much attention as they do on where Ohio State is relative to Alabama or is that sometimes a distraction and and something that they can put too much emphasis on considering some of the subtleties that go into things like recruiting rankings that may not actually tell you how good a team is um, putting a class together for that given year. I think it's fine to measure yourself when your coach is agreeing that they're the gold standard and everybody knows it's the gold standard publicly saying it, not just like, oh, you're having a random conversation on the record questions being asked about Alabama and he's agreeing to it. There's a way to do it. Um, And it matters because, as I've said multiple times, 
Alabama beat Ohio State in all three phases of college football last year to draft the recruiting rankings and on the football field. And so it, you don't want to be obsessed with it. I don't know if you want to quite go, you know, team up north, Michigan game, we're going to do something every day that's Michigan-centered with it, but I do think it matters. It matters more when you're fighting for some of the same guys, and that's part of what allowed Alabama to take the lead last year and ultimately keep it. LSU helped with that on signing day by not being able to hold on to their class, but when you lose two guys and then they flip to Alabama, that helps Alabama's case in this you know race of who has the best class on paper right now. And that's why it matters. It, and it, 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 you, and you can't start to even have the conversation until everybody's clock is kind of going. Obviously at this point, Ohio state kind of is early to the punch. We saw that in 2021. We saw it in 2022. If we weren't coming off of a global pandemic, it'd probably be the same thing in 2023. But as I asked Ryan day and he answered, they're going to take their time with that 2023 class. And a lot of the guys are targeting have kind of, mirrored that sentiment when you asked them as well. And so to focus more on this 2022, Ohio State took a big lead, and then you had to keep going, wait till Alabama, wait till Alabama, wait till Alabama before you can have top-ranked conversations. And now they're on the roll. It was funny. I did a search for on Google for um, Alabama recruiting surge, and the first thing that came up was an article about how, well, no one should be surprised. This is what was coming all along, and they just picked up, X number of commitments this week and they've surged into number one. And it was from last July. It was a year old story because, <laughs> and, and as you're saying, this is sort of the way these programs have gone about putting their classes together to some extent, right? I mean, Ohio state has a philosophy. Alabama has a philosophy kind of compare and contrast those. Is it coincidental that this has happened or do you think this is how they are meaning to go about recruiting because it starts to seem like a trend a little bit that now it's been multiple years that have looked exactly the same. Ohio State gets this big stockpile early and then Alabama's hit comes in July and then we kind of even off and go from there. Yeah, it's 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 all ph philosophically based. Obviously, some of this is pandemic based. While you've gotten so many surges from surges from spurges from so many different schools, obviously Penn State's been on one as well. But <clears throat> I'll bring Clemson into this mix as well. Ohio Clemson hasn't done any official visits yet. They're saving all of their official visits for the spring, for the fall, so they can get kids to games. Ryan Day didn't want to do that. They wanted to get guys here in the summer and so they could focus all their attention on the kids and not maybe 25% of their attention on recruits and the other 75% on who they're playing that weekend. And so, yeah, it's a philosophy thing. It's what, what, what do you want out of a class and what do you want every single member of that class to be? Do you want to have a C.J. Hicks, Jack Sawyer type guy who's an in-state recruit, who's kind of the leader? And when do you want to go? When when do you want your quarterback to join? What type of quarterback do you want? Do you want the five star, or do you just want kind of a, with all due respect to these kids, a placeholder to get you to the next class? What are you looking for in a running back in this class? And you can you know keep going down every single position. It's just what do you want your class to be, and what do you want it to look like? And for Ohio State, it's very clear what they want on a year to year basis. And for Alabama, it's a little differently how they run things. So I'm glad you brought up Penn State. Ohio State is the number one team right now in the 24/7 sports. Are they 24/7 sports or two four? I think they prefer two four seven sports. Yeah, two four seven sports. Not twenty four seven, but that's very. So is it an area code or it's supposed to be like we're here 24-7? I'm not trying be to criticize them. They're our buddies. I mean, we have a good relationship with 247 Sports. Um, we get along with the guys here who do it. So I'm going off on a tangent that I don't mean to be critical. I'm just, it just caught myself thinking about it in the moment. 
247 Sports National Composite, which is what we use all the time when we talk about recruiting rankings. Ohio State is number one right now. They have three five-stars, seven top 100 players, plus number 104, and 16 overall commitments with an average star rating of 94.67. Keep that number in mind because it's really the only number that matters to me in recruiting. Alabama, two five-stars, eight top 100 players, 13 overall commitments, 94.56. So almost like virtually tied with Ohio State as far as star rating. But they're actually third. Mm -hmm. Penn State is the team in the middle. But the reason why we don't talk about Penn State more in a conversation like this, and I'm not saying Penn State's recruiting shouldn't be talked about on this program, but today the reason you're comparing Ohio State and Alabama is Penn State's average star rating is 90.72. So well off of what the, the, the caliber of player that Ohio State and Alabama are bringing in consistently to these classes, which is why I think that it makes sense to, to focus the conversation around the two of them. And, and also, Penn State has 22 commits. So at yes. most, they're probably adding two or three more, while Ohio State's at 16, Alabama's at 13, and they're not done. Ohio State still has to go find defensive linemen, while Alabama still has to go find the other half of their class. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to rant on this long, but I feel like as an industry, we need to come up with a better way to talk about the recruiting race than going by just the points amassed because it does mm – -hmm. we've, we've talked about this so many times before. I, I, we're not going to go down this list. Look at the average star rating because at the end of the day, if it's not like teams who have really high star ratings over 18 players are, are going to bemoan the fact that they didn't get more low-ranked guys mm -hmm. to prop up their overall score and get up to like 22 players. You know what I'm saying? Like I just – uh, don't worry about the – I know that everybody's going to talk about who won, who had the number one class by the overall points. Just know that you're smarter than that probably out there if you're listening to this and that that doesn't mean all that much. But it is kind of what we're talking about today a little bit. But I think – but let's talk about it in a smarter way than that. Let's not talk about the, the just the total head-to-head -head points. Let's talk about the actual head-to-head -head recruiting battles because, as you alluded to, that's where the difference actually gets made here. Alabama, in, involved in its recent surge, I think they've uh, landed, well, like seven guys in the past week or something like that. It's been a big – Yeah. They've got five guys in, in July and then eight guys since the initial recruiting dead period. And obviously there was another one after June, but that's being lifted now. But five guys this month, eight guys since June 1st, which is to the point of getting these kids on campus. And a lot of these guys are like – Relevant guys, Jeremiah Alexander headlines that as a number 18 player in the top edge rusher in the country. Uh, Tyler Booker, who is a win over Ohio State. He was one of the offensive tackles Ohio State was looking to add in this combination of three or four guys. Obviously, they're looking for the final piece of that since George Fitzpatrick has joined Tegra Tishbola. But Tyler Booker is a part of that. Sean Murphy is the most recent one who actually pushed his commitment date up. It was supposed to be August 2nd, but he pushed it up to you know July 25th. And part of that was, I mean, he'd been trending towards Alabama for a while and Ohio State kind of backed off. I don't, I don't know if backed off is the right word, but I think they're set with two linebackers. You lost out on Desan McCullough because he went to go play with his family, which is fine. And I think C.J. Hicks and, and Gabe Powers being top 40 guys in their own right who can kind of play a lot of different positions in that linebacker room – they might just be fine. And that might change depending on what happens with the USC transfer, if he's eligible to play this year or not, and what that looks like going forward. But as things stand right now, I wouldn't expect for them to add another one. So losing out on Sean Murphy is fine. So right now, 
in the battles Alabama has won over Ohio State, they don't hurt the same way that when they lost J.C. Latham a year ago hurt Ohio State. Well, but Sean Murphy at one point was a guy that you thought would probably end up at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. What do you think happened there? Was that just a matter of Alabama coming in and making a better pitch? Did the Desan McCullough not sticking around in this class hurt Ohio State's chances of recruiting Sean Murphy? Where do you think that eventually broke down? Yeah, I just think both sides just kind of went down a different direction. I think last summer was really when the Ohio State buzz around Sean Murphy was was big. He has a great relationship with Al Washington, who Al Washington is starting to make a name for himself in that Virginia area. Travion Henderson comes to mind. Um, but you know, he has a great relationship with C.J. Hicks and Desan McCullough. So at last summer, it seemed like in the moment when Ohio State might have four linebackers, it was going to be the two Ohio guys and C.J. Hicks and Gabe Powers, the pretty much, you know, bonus Ohio guy and Desan McCullough, and then the fourth guy would have been Sean Murphy. But things have changed with, you know, how Ohio State's going to use its linebackers. But then also, you know, he hasn't been on campus in almost two years. And in a world where now these kids can get back on campus and there didn't seem to be a rush for him to do so this in June, you got to start looking in other directions and start to read the tea leaves a little bit. So how else is Ohio State doing in head-to-head battles? Or what are the other head-to-head, the big head-to-head battles between Ohio State and Alabama as these programs both try to uh, fill up the top of their classes? Yeah, there's realistically probably nine guys who could – by signing day, if they signed with Alabama or Ohio State, you'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I tend, depending on what Ohio State wants to do at tight end, which we'll get in, let, into later in this podcast, with Oscar Delt being the only you know uh, offer that they have in common and Oscar Delt being the only guy who's still undecided for Ohio State as far as tight end offers. But the other guys who are actually realistically right now is Cam Dewberry, the offensive tackle out of Texas, who's got some crystal balls for Ohio State and Texas A&M right now. But those are – I mean, they've been around for a while. Alabama is still high on his list. Zion Branch, who you know, is waiting until the fall to make a decision, and a lot of that is because he's going to Alabama on November 5th, and he's also going to Clemson on November 12th. He was here on June 4th for his official visit as far as the Buckeye Bass 2.0. And then Ernest Green, another one of those offensive line tar- targets that Ohio State would love to have out of California, same high school as Wyatt Davis at St. John Bosco. Amore Abor, the five-star defensive lineman, were in a perfect world. Some combination of he, Eni White and Kenyatta Jackson are all in this class, all of which are you know top 100 players. Both have offers from Ohio State and Alabama. Kenyatta Jackson will actually be here as you guys are listening to this, coming up here with his teammate in Hollywood, Florida, Ryan Turner, who's also an Ohio State commit as far as this barbecue Ohio State is having. And then going down the list, Marvin Jones kind of completes the defensive end targets, at least, guy out of Florida who will be here for on September 11th attending the Oregon game. And then Caden Curry, Hero Canoe, and then Chris McKellen. Those are the guys where, you know, I'll obviously a lot of defensive line guys is what we're talking about here when you're talking about the Ohio State battles, which for a while until JTT canceled his Alabama trip seemed to be what was wait, what was going to be the end of the 2021 classes. Who's going to get the final top t- top tier defensive line target? And that's the case now with 2022, six months before signing day. We've talked before about defensive tackle being a, a significant remaining priority in this 2022 class i mean that and safety being like two of the the big remaining uh 
things that Ohio State has to f- get some high-impact players for for this class. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like what you're saying is that's going to go directly through Alabama, right? Like, And that mm-hmm. would seem to favor Ohio State in some ways because there aren't very many recruiters on this staff who have a better track record of pulling the guy that they want to get than Larry Johnson. At the same time, it's not like Larry Johnson has to win a battle against Alabama every single time. Right. And it's I think what's going to help is there's going to be a lot of attrition for Ohio State in that defensive line room after the season, depending on some decisions. Obviously, Haskell Garrett is graduating. I mean, Teron Vincent, the 2018 guys obviously could come back, but we'll see what happens there because they actually are graduating and whatnot. And then obviously, Zach Harrison, what happens there? You know, does he pop and then end up being that first round in the full draft pick? So the only guaranteed guys we're talking about are all freshmen and sophomores who haven't really proven anything yet as far as, you know, playing time and whatnot. So there's a lot of room for these, you know, I just named what, like five or six defensive linemen. There's going to be a lot of guys leaving. So there's going to be a lot of guys that they're going to need to come in and maybe have an impact right away, which is why all these guys that I named, a lot of these guys are, I think they're all top 100 recruits and hero canoe might end up being a five-star before it's all said and done. That's the kid out of Germany who came to an Ohio state camp in June and earned an offer. And it's kind of blowing up on everybody's recruiting boards right now. I mean, this is a reminder sometimes of it in every business, uh, ours, and, and certainly as it is with, with football coaches, like, you know, it's only what, you, what have you done for me lately? And it feels like we mm-hmm. were just, you know, everyone lauding the, the job that Larry Johnson did by bringing in JT Tuomaloa on top of the you know, Jack Sawyer and everything else they had going on in this class. And then now you got to turn right around and like, okay, well, that was great. But now you need to go win these head-to-head battles against Alabama or mm-hmm. it's going to be a letdown for 2022. It's interesting. Is it fair to say that having to put so much work into JTT put Ohio State behind in defensive line recruiting in 2022? It's probably not fair. It's just an interesting, you know, byproduct. It's just one guy. You know what I mean? It's one guy. And 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 the other thing was like they they were waiting for him to come to Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Um, If anything, you would say it put Alabama behind because Alabama spent capital by a capital I mean time and attention to try to mm-hmm. land JT to him a little out also and he didn't even come for a visit in the end and didn't pick right. him he went to Ohio State so I think Ohio State would take that trade off even if it cost oh, him yeah. a couple of, of text messages or phone calls or or a letter whatever it cost him um, with 2022 guys and most of these 2022 guys did get on campus at some point. Amari Bohr came for that June 4th visit. Obviously, Canoe worked with Larry Johnson. Caden Curry was here for an unofficial visit. So a lot of these guys, it's, it's not like they just said, don't come until we get JTT. They still worked with these guys. They've had opportunities to sit face-to-face with Larry Johnson. And, and so, yeah, I, maybe it's not fair to say they're behind. It's just interesting how Larry Johnson was trying to work two different classes at the same time when one of them for most cases is probably done in a normal situation so again with the caveat that i hate the way that we do recruiting <laughs> rankings <laughs> and like for instance right now in the 24 7 composite rutgers is 13th right. and clemson is 14th but clemson's average star rating is like five points higher if you think rutgers has a better recruiting class right now than clemson you mm-hmm. are a lunatic so but with that caveat do you think ohio state Finishes with the number one class in 2022. I'm marking down Thursday. Yeah, I think they will. And it's because for the sake of putting the numbers where they are, 
I, they're very close to getting over the 300-point threshold. The average star rating is what it is. All of their targets, for the most part, are top 100 recruits at this point. And that, that's what matters here. It's not like they're waiting out a, a three-star number 400 player in the country. So they're only going to go up as they do start to add these defensive line targets as they do. Maybe they add both safety Zion Brands and Xavier Wampo, who I didn't name because Alabama, he has an Alabama offer, but Alabama wasn't in his top five or top four or whatever list. He said all the people I named have cut down their list already and they all have Alabama and Ohio State in those. So maybe they get both of those guys, whatever combination of defensive line targets they end up with, are probably going to be all top 100 guys. And so this class might finish with 315, 320, 330 points. Any inclination on who you think the next 2022 commit might be for Ohio State? I, I marked down Xavier, but that was like a month ago. Um, it's it's it, maybe Chris, uh, but also throughout Chris McKellen, who at this point they've kind of told him that they would love for him to be the first defensive line target because he might open it up for the other guys to join, whatever combination that is. Maybe it's Cam Dewberry, who, you know, as the final offensive line guy in this class. And so it's – I marked down Xavier, but I also said it with a caveat of, like, two or three other people who it could be. We're going to talk offensive line a little bit later in this podcast. After the break, we are going to talk about the decommitment that Ohio State just had uh, – what night was that? Tuesday night. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about the barbecue that you mentioned earlier, and we are going to answer some listener questions later on here on Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk. So one reason why Ohio State's score actually went up was because they lost a player Tuesday night. Uh, Benji Gosnell, one of the two tight end commitments in the 2022 class, decommitted, reopened his commitment, and we assume that he probably will now not end up at Ohio State. Can you kind of give any insight into where things went with that? Yeah, kind of. The same story as Sean Murphy, where you just he hadn't been on campus, and it's it, for him it was not because they stopped talking to him or they both sides cooled on each other. It's just Benji had a pretty busy spring. He plays baseball for his high school in, uh, in North Carolina as well, and so it, his baseball kept getting in the way. He was supposed to visit that June fourth weekend. He had to cancel it, and then they tried to make it up some other times, and he couldn't do it. So. You can't get on campus and you can't get in front of your coaches in person. It doesn't matter how great of a relationship you have with Kevin Wilson over the phone and through Zoom. At some point, it's got to get face-to-face. And when that can't happen, there's got to be some conversations that you've got to have with your co- with the coaching staff, with your family, and really just with yourself. And there's also the idea that maybe he's not going to play tight end at the college level. Maybe he ends up playing linebacker somewhere, which you know, throws into a wrinkle if Ohio State's only recruiting him as a tight end. The other two teams that were in his top three when he did pick Ohio State were North Carolina, where his brother Steven is a wide receiver. So there's some family ties there. Maybe he wants to go play with his brother. But then also Florida was in the mix, who also just got a 2023 tight end commit. So we'll see if they're back into the mix now that he's reopened things. But, yeah, it's just now that we're back to normal, you can kind of read tea leaves a little easier than it is like, hey, who are you on a Zoom call this week? Because – with unofficial visits, obviously the school pays for it, but you pay for the unofficial visit. So when guys are making multiple unofficial visits places, that says something because that means they're really interested in a school if they're going to put that much time and money really into trying to see the school multiple times. And he was just never able to get up here. So obviously he had to reopen things and rethink some things. So the other commitment in Ohio State, or the tight end commitment, I should say, in this 2022 class for Ohio State, Bennett Christian 
to me, fits more the mold of the traditional Ohio State tight end. Like mm-hmm. 6'6", 235. You can look at him and you see Luke Farrell. You can see um, even Rucker. You can see Jake Howes. Like those kind of guys. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, Christian was – or I'm sorry, Gosnell I looked at as – I mean, he's almost more of a receiver – in high school than he is a tight end someone that I think teams have looked at converting I just wonder if that really fits the Ohio State mold I know it worked with Ruckert but Ruckert was a you know top 80 recruit yeah Yeah. I mean like a a, 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 (laughs) like yeah a top 100 guy a guy who was pegged as like a uh, you know on that you know NFL trajectory early on in his Mm -hmm. life Whereas Gosnell is a four-star, number 320 overall. He wasn't – he's not quite looked at the same way. And I guess I should amend – I think he's listed around 6'4 now, so, you know, growing a little bit. But th- that seemed – I wondered if that was also an issue here too. Also, in, in the world where Ohio State has brought two guys from other positions into the tight end room, I know we've kind of talk, talked about that a little bit, but it's not – going to be a depth depth issue because you lost Gosnell in this class and that was part of why they wanted two tight ends in this class because you were losing two guys in two years with Jeremy Ruckett and Luke Farrell well you just brought in Cade Stover and a top 100 wide receiver in G Scott to be the new Jeremy Ruckett and Luke Farrell and so maybe they don't go get a second tight end in this class and they're just fine with Bennett Christian and we've joked about what if that's just how they do things from now on yeah you keep tight ends in the 300s because you're not going to get Jeremy Rucker every time he comes available because most guys who are that good probably want the ball more than 20 times and they're you know so it's maybe this is just their formula where if you keep recruiting wide receivers at this level every so often you pull one of those guys into the tight end room to be your Jeremy Rucker and then you keep getting the Luke Farrell side of that with the Bennett Christians and the Joe Royers and the Sam Hart's of the world. Yeah, I think that's probably worth mentioning, too, that both of these guys committed, Gosnell and Christian, both committed long before G. Scott was mm-hmm. a tight end. I, I can't remember the timing on Stover relative to them, but we knew Stover was a tight end last spring. Yeah. So that, that might have been more eyes wide open there. But it does put you in a situation where now you're joining a, a potential six-man room instead of a potential mm-hmm. five-man room. So I, I, I think that could probably also have been a factor, too. Talk a little bit about what is going on this week with the the Buckeye barbecue or whatever they're calling it. I know that this is not quite the the same thing as the the Buckeye bash that happened earlier in the spring, but, but just what what's going on this week? Who's going to be here? Why is it important? I mean, just come hang out and have a barbecue at Ohio State. It, it's not the same because it's not official visits. It's just unofficial. You just got an invite, and if you can make it, make it. If you can't, you can. One of the guys who was supposed to come was A.J. Harris, the five-star cornerback who, if I had to peg the first national guy that Ohio State lands, he would be on that short list of people in the 2023 class. He loved Ohio State. He also loved Notre Dame, Georgia, and Clemson. He's instead going to go to Clemson because it's just closer. He lives in Alabama, and this is a – I mean, a flight to Ohio State for a one-day cookout is probably you know, financially not a lot more money to spend than just driving the Clemson real quickly, so that's fine. It doesn't change his standing with Ohio State. He'll be back during this, the fall for a game or whatnot. C.J. Hicks, and as I mentioned, Ryan Turner will be here. C.J. Hicks is going to come to everything where he gets a chance to recruit somebody, so that's no surprise that the guy who nicknamed himself Captain Buckeye is coming for a big recruiting weekend. Uh, AJ, I mean, Ryan Turner is just coming with his teammate, uh, Kenyatta Jackson. And then 2023, guys, is really where the focus for a lot of this is. Luke Montgomery is coming. Josh Padilla is coming, who is teammates with Emil Wagner, who is not coming. Both of those guys from Ohio, so that should be telling. 
of Talk, to interrupt you, just make sure you mention positions with these guys so oh, yeah, know yeah. a little bit more. For top 100 offensive tackle Luke Montgomery, who is in the you know high on Ohio State's list along with Notre Dame's list and whatnot. Josh Padilla is the center from Ohio who kind of looks like Josh Myers in the face, and I'm not just saying that because they play the same position and because they are both named Josh. They actually do kind of look like each other. Uh, and as I was mentioning, Josh Padilla is high school teammates with Emil Wagner and down there at Huber Heights, Wayne High School. But Emil Wagner's not coming to this. And this is a 45 to an hour and a 15-minute drive for him, and he's just not coming to this, which should be a little telling of where they probably stand in that recruitment. And so if, if as we're starting to stack up, who might be that last offensive line guy that they add in this class, you got to take things like that into in consideration. And then down, there's a lot of Florida guys coming as well. Five-star running back Richard Young, who's the number one running back in the country. And in a perfect world, that's who Ohio State's running back is in this class. Derek LeBlanc, the defensive lineman out of Florida as well. So it's, uh, And then 2024 guys, Jaden Davis, who you talked to at the camp when he came, who really loved Justin Fields. I think that's a name that Ohio State fans should be a little bit invested in because especially with the way that they might uh, – approach their quarterback recruiting in 2023 it seems like they're going to get into that cycle that we've talked about where you go get the five-star top guy in one year and then maybe you don't do that in 20 the next year because you're going to do it then the next year so you're spacing things out a little bit more if Quinn Ewers is that is in in 2022 and maybe you don't land a high profile name in 2023 maybe you just go get a transfer one year guy Jaden Davis is a name to watch because he might be the best quarterback in that recruiting class is this the kind of event that you think leads to commitments? Is this more just a, um, a, a meet and greet event or, or a, a thing to kind of keep some recruiting momentum going as you come out of the, the, the usual, the June period and trying mm-hmm. to bridge a gap into the fall? No, I, I don't. I, no. And I think that's another difference between this and what the Buckeye Bash was is we knew some people were going to come out of that and pop, especially out of that month when you're going week to week like that. We knew there would be guys. If it happens, it happens. Like, I'm not going to be thrown off guard if, you know, a Derek LeBlanc who's making his third trip in pretty much six weeks, he attended two camps during June. If he pulls the trigger, I'm not going to be completely caught off guard by that. But at the same time, I won't be caught off guard if nothing happens from this and it just builds a little bit more momentum. It's just – it's an extra thing because they have an opportunity to get guys on campus in front of these coaches. After the break, we're going to come back and talk about Ohio state's 2023 class. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about offensive line recruiting, answering questions from our Buckeye talk subscribers. You're listening to the BFF podcast. All right, back on Buckeye talk. If you don't subscribe to the text 614, 340-3315. We know that some people kind of slink away for the summer and they spend their $3.99 a month at the beach or on something else that they have to do summer. I know know, your your power bill goes up because you're using the AC or whatever, but uh, come on back. Uh, You still get the two-week, the the free trial, and then $3.99 a month after that. And uh, obviously camp starts on Tuesday, uh, we were told, by Ohio State. So, a lot of intel coming in on the on the football team, and obviously Stephen will keep bringing the recruiting intel as well. And here are a couple of questions that were asked this week. From the 440, who's going to be the first recruit in Ohio State's 2023 class? Oh, wow. Um, that's hard. I knew I know who Ohio State would like it to be, 
and that would be Sonny Styles, who is just – he's listed as a safety, but he's like all-world defensive player, five-star guy. I think the best player in the state, regardless of, of you know, class or whatnot, out of Pickerington North High School. He's a guy who could end up playing the bullet here. I think he is going to play the bullet if he comes to Ohio State. That's, that's who they would like it to be. But they would also they would be fine with it being Luke Montgomery, as I mentioned, AJ Harris, Josh Padilla, Richard Young, Derek LeBlanc, and so it's. I ask, I kind of asked Ryan Day about the twenty twenty. I didn't kind of. I just straight up asked him about the twenty twenty three recruiting class when we were at Big Ten Media Days, and if they liked where they were at, especially given that they're usually a little bit more ahead of the curve at this point. There's usually four or five guys who are already in it when we get to July, you know. 18 months before that class has to sign. He he thought they were in a great position. I I wrote about that. And they are. They have voiced that. They're going to take their time and do this the right way. Actually recruit these kids. You know, go see them. Go see their high schools. Meet their coaches, their athletic directors. Get them on campus a little bit since they don't have to be stuck doing Zoom calls and phone calls once a week anymore. And so there's a list of guys who could be first. So it, it, that's a hard question to answer, but I, they're in a great position because they know who those top guys are that they would love to be guys who are committed by the time we get to the turn of the calendar year. Do you think the first one comes in state? Mm. I'll say yeah. I, I'll say yeah. I, I, I Yeah, I'll say that for now, yeah. This 2023 class seems to be the one, and we've talked about this before, this is the one that is the most affected by the pandemic in some ways yep. because – you at least for 2022 you had already made some contacts you had already done some scouting you had already set a foundation some of those guys had already actually been on campus although we talked so much about how how many guys weren't but some had through through various things when you start talking about 2023 and this past like that 18 month gap hitting it just the, the worst possible time that does sort of explain why people are playing catch up a little bit on both sides of that equation And Ohio State's in a position to be able to do that. They don't have to be like the other 17 programs, including Penn State, who are already pulling the trigger on guys because they're one of the three best programs in the country. And you're allowed to do things differently when you're one of the three best programs in the country. And one other question from our tech subscribers. I was hoping you guys would cover the perceived weakness of Greg Studrava's recruiting. seems like we're missing on offensive line recruits while we are hitting in every other position group. Is this perception or reality? So I guess start there. Do you think it's a a perception that Ohio State is missing right now from an offensive line standpoint, or is that a reality? No, it's a reality. And it's because we can't hold – I understand offensive line development is different, but we hold every other position on this roster to a standard where you've got to get the top guys in the country. We were on Tony Alford when he was missing on running, running backs before he got Travion Henderson and Evan, Evan Pryor. We were on Ohio State when its quarterback recruiting went to the dumpster. You know, it, it, we were on Ohio State when its defensive back recruiting went into the dumpster fire as well. And so missing out on J.C. Latham, Tristan Lee, um, Zach Rice at this point, you're probably not going to get him. You've got to get these five stars. It can't be the only position where even with the excuse of there probably might be only one or two five stars in a, a cycle. That's fine. One of those two five stars needs to be an Ohio State Buckeye. And right now he's developing guys, but you got to get the five stars as well, which is why when I said after the uh, Friday podcast that it, it would be very helpful if either Thayer Munford or Nicholas Petit-Frey was the first rounder, and even better if both of them were, that trickles over into recruiting when you have a history of having guys be first-round draft picks. And so that, that needs to improve. 
well, that won't help them for 2022. What is still happening for 2022? Because they obviously need significant help at tackle, at least in 2022. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get Zach Rice. You're not going to have a five-star. So it comes down to really this, this Cam Dewberry, you know, pop on whatever momentum seems to be shifting towards Ohio State as a guy who's sitting right outside the top 100. Emil Wagner seems to be trending elsewhere. I think he might be a guy who ends up at Notre Dame, but can Ohio State do something to change that in the next six months? So you're, you're not going to get the five-star, but you're going to get some combination of what George Fitzpatrick and Tegra Tishabola already bring to your to that recruiting class, while also with you know Cam Dubarry, Emil Wagner, and you know uh, Ernest Green, those type of guys still out there. One of those guys is going to claim that final spot. Addison Nichols is going to be announcing his decision Next week, that's probably going to be Tennessee. Ohio State's in that top three, but it's probably going to be Tennessee. What happened with Zach Rice? They got him up here, and obviously he was here for that June 4th, but sometimes it's just not a fit, which is fine. It's Sometimes you get a guy on campus and you kind of show him everything he needs to see. You get a chance to meet with him face-to-face, and, and sometimes it just doesn't work out. Where do you see this being – like how quickly could this be an issue for Ohio State? We know that they're – for 2020 – two season uh, we obviously know that Paris Johnson moves outside the tackle even if mm-hmm. Nicholas Petit Frere moves along they are going to have to replace the right tackle at that point so I guess that's the, the question we, we had, I think assumed all along that if they got a, a major recruit for 2022 that it was someone who could even contend to come in and play right away mm-hmm. on the end of the line in 2022 that seems less likely if you're going farther down the list I mean you're, you're getting farther into the the, the ranks of like developmental guys. So I guess that's why someone like Dewan Jones could be important. Um, I mean, there, there's some other guys, I guess, on the roster that they would look at at that point. But that seems to be right now the thing that's kind of looming is like if you can't – that the 2022 is for certain now going to be something decided from within the roster, the current roster, unless I guess you, you look at the transfer portal. Yeah, or they got plenty of depth, right? It's, we're, it's, it's a problem that they're not doing it, but it's not going to kill the roster, I don't think, at least not next year. Because Dewan Jones does exist, and they believe he might pop and be something. You know, you still got you know, Enoch Vermont. He might, sw- like, swing around all over the place. Ben, uh, 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 ben, ben Christman is a guy who can play in the play guard, but he can also play tackle. You've got Josh Fryer. You, you, that 2020 class, because you took so many, like, guys who were lowly rated, thinking some of, somebody might pop, we could end up in a situation like that where your left tackle is, you know, the high, is the best Ohio State tackle re- recruit since Orlando Pace. Now, whether he ends up playing like that is a different conversation. But at least from a recruit standpoint, he's viewed in that way. And then maybe some of these lower-rated guys like Josh Fryer pop, and then you're fine, right? So it's it, because it's it's a problem in the moment because we're seeing it not actually happen. But because there's enough depth there, I don't know if those, it's going to kill Ohio State's chances of the national championship the same way we saw the secondary recruiting be so terrible, kill Ohio State chances last season. What should people be looking for on our website, cleveland.com slash OSU in terms of recruiting coverage coming up this week? Yeah. I'm working on these five-star stories uh, about CJ Hicks, Jaheim Singletary, uh, Quinn Ewers, it's more around Quinn Ewers and talking to him directly because, I mean, I would love to, obviously, but he's not the best talker, the biggest talker in the world. So if I get him, I'm obviously going to write that. But that story is more just what's it like to play Quinn Ewers? What's it like to play against a guy who's that talented? And you're talking to different coaches that they've played and different teams that they've played. And then with Jaheim Singletary, it's just he's kind of Sean Wade's last gift to Ohio State. 
because he knows that family and Randy Wade helped facilitate that a little bit from what I've heard. And obviously CJ Hicks is, is just kind of the origin story of him wanting to be a leader. And he's kind of been a leader on all fronts with his recruiting class, but he's also that in his community and that for his football team. And that's kind of an interesting story there. And then also Caleb Burton, his journey back to reclaiming his spot as a number one wide receiver in the country as now he's transferred to Lake Travis, which of course is the same high school as Garrett Wilson. So it also gives me a chance to talk to Hank Carter about Garrett, but it's more important about Caleb Burton and a guy who was the best wide receiver in his class. And then he hurt his knee and has since been tumbling down the rankings. And he seems like a guy where the moment he gets back on the field, he's going to remind everybody of that. So look for that at cleveland.com slash OSU in the coming weeks. And uh, like I said, we don't know exactly what we're going to be doing with BFF in the, in the, in the weeks ahead as we get into camp, as we get into the season. Just not we, – you know, we, we try to keep the podcasts on topic for what's happening with Ohio State football throughout that week. We will continue to talk recruiting, and this will certainly, I think, return in the offseason as, as a feature every year because I, we got some good feedback, and I think we like having one week one day a week where we can really get into talk about recruiting issues in depth. So for Stephen Means, I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>